Yes, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Rugby Muscle Podcast. I'm your host and your boy, as always, TJ. And today I am joined. I've got a guest for the first time this year. It's Big Nick Whiteman from Flex Success. This is an audio podcast, but you probably recognize the beard from having worked with him before. He did a little bit of work for us a couple of years back. And now he's back on the podcast joining us. And we, we essentially just talk shop. We, talk, we shoot the shit. We talk about the state of the fitness industry. We talk about why people will search for quick results. We talk about science. We talk about all sorts of things, rugby training, nutrition. Um, and it's just going to be a really enjoyable episode for you guys to listen to. So one quick plug. Rugby Muscle Elite is now completely live, rugby-muscle.com forward slash elite. But other than that, let's get straight into this episode. This is episode 100 and something with Big Nick Whiteman. Let's do a reintroduction, mate. Let's let's go right from the top. So last time you were on the podcast was uh, way over a year ago now, mate. So Yeah, it must have been almost 18 months. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Man, a lot has changed since then. Right. Uh, I still live in Berlin. Um, I Well, technically, I still play rugby, but I'm injured, so I haven't played in a while. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, other than that, everything's changed. I now work with Flex Success. I now um, – no, actually, I work with a bunch of people. Um, you know, I'm personal training full-time. Uh, Online or in the gym? Both. Um, so with Flex, we have some training, um, but yeah, doing a bunch of stuff in the gym as well in Berlin. Um, personal training here is really hard to get into, but once you're into it, it is very um, rewarding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's awesome. Um, you know, I'm studying sports nutrition at the moment. I graduated MNU. Um, man, what else? Just a lot of learning, a lot of, lot of learning, a lot of growing, a lot of uh, moving up. Shitloads of learning, man. Um, I literally graduated MNU, and the day I got my certificate, I used that to get onto my uh, performance nutrition course. Like, I took no break at all. Yeah, I've done that. I've sometimes I've done that. Like when I've got pending qualifications, mm. I'm like, look, by the time I start this, I'm a couple of months out. But look, I, I, you know, if I, if these ducks line up perfectly, then. I'll be a good candidate and how does this work, you know? So yeah, yeah exactly. Being proactive, mate, being proactive. So if you were to take one lesson from uh, the, the, you know, the 16, 18 months or so since we've last spoken, so going through MNU, doing what you're doing now, like if, there, if there was one big takeaway, do you have it? Or do, you can go for a couple as well, I guess. And I know it's always hard because everything's nuanced, but. Yeah, um, I guess. The biggest takeaway is for me was not to do everything at once. So when I started MNU, um, I had this big dream of, you know, starting my own business and doing all this stuff at the same time. And I just didn't have the time or I didn't have the mental bandwidth to do it either. Like um, running a business alongside trying to, you know, learn what it was essentially new stuff. Like I had a pretty good understanding of nutrition before, um, but the way they teach it and, um, you know, some of the stuff that you go through is, was new to me. Um, and trying to do all that at the same time was bloody stressful, um, especially coming into like exam periods and stuff like that. Um, it was full on. So, uh, you know, finding the gig with Flex Success was a massive lifesaver, um, godsend at the time. Um, and they really went out on a limb for me, like 
that job was based on graduating MNU. Um, and I still had, I don't know, like five months left of MNU before. Yeah. Um, I even had exams, let alone graduated. So yeah, that, that basically meant that I didn't have to worry about my own business stuff anymore. Like with flex, um, uh, like up until now, it's been a little bit, well, mostly coaching, but a little bit of helping out with like, um, I edit their podcast and their videos and YouTube and all that sort of thing. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that was all coaching. Um, but just having, you know, the salary coming in while I was, you know, didn't have the time to spend on a business. That was a big thing. So not doing everything at once was a massive thing for me. Like I, I probably could manage it, um, but I definitely got way more out of MNU putting the time and effort into it. Um, and I'm finding the same with this. Um, the, right, so it's an advanced diploma in performance nutrition, but it should lead to a master's. I'm finding the same with it now. Um, being able to rely on Flex to, you know, they find me clients and, um, you know, they're, they're keeping me, my bills paid and stuff. And I'm able to spend the time that I would spend on I don't know, marketing or whatever on learning. And um, yeah, it'll, it'll end up, I won't have any more learning to do one day, and no, um, no, reward no, no, for, no, no, well, no, yeah, no, no more like formal learning. <laughs> you, you know yeah, I mean? like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can only go so far through uni before um, you start not doing practical stuff anymore, and you just, you know, it's all theoretical and it's all research. Um, but up until that point, um, you know, they're supporting me through my learning, and that means at the end of it, when I'm, you know, highly qualified and highly knowledgeable, and more more so than I am now. Uh, they'll have a even better coach, you know, on their team, helping, you know, push them forward. It's it's one of those things where like um, I, like Dalton on the flex team as well. He's studying at the moment, and um, Shannon's, you know, getting in with all the right people. It's good to get in on the ground floor where I am at the moment. Yeah, I, I think that um, you know, as it's it's the old saying, a rising tide raises all boats yeah you know what i mean it's and i, I do think that i think um if and so i know, I know mnu and and uh martin they get have a, a reputation for like sort of calling other people out and and doing all of that and mm -hmm. yeah it's worked really well for him because he's he's tried to do it in like a hey look i'm not being a complete dick because i care about you so this is what i think actually should be happening um but at the same time I think that, you know, if, if you get around people that are educated and get, you know, and, and come to an understanding all the time, like the more you, you can, the more knowledge you can get for yourself and share with those around you, like the more, like there's so many people that still have no clue on this. Like my, you know, the amount of times I go over on my Instagram and still have to, you know, this, all these years later, still talk about calorie balance and still yep. talk about, you know, the absolute fundamental basics because people still just don't know them. And that's, that's okay. There's probably someone listening to this podcast for the first time being like, what does calories balance even mean? You know, and, and that's fine because that's where they're at. But it's, it's funny that there's not, it's never like this way or this way. It's just like, it's it all within the context of greater knowledge fits in. It, 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 you know, you don't, like you said, like you, you knew some of the stuff before, but you almost take a step back when you learn stuff in greater detail. It allows you to take a bit more of a step back and understand the real ins and outs and not just be like, this is the only approach that works. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I think one of the biggest things that MNU teaches you is like critical thinking. It's something that sets them apart from other nutrition courses where you get, you know, essentially the same information because if you're using the science, there's only so much information out there at the moment. Um, you know, more will come eventually, but um, if you were to, you know, if there were two courses that got you to the same level, um, you know, yes, theoretically you would come out the other side with the same knowledge. Um, but I think just the critical thinking side of things that you get with m and is a massive, um, massive game changer for people coming out of there. Um, just being able to ask the right questions and, um, you know, I'm far better now at just looking at something and being like, yay or nay, straight away. Like you can pretty much, um, it gives you far better instincts when it comes to, you know, what is working, what isn't working, what could work. Um, you know, it's it's not just a nutrition qualification that I got out of it, for me especially. But along the lines of what you were saying, um, the stuff that I knew before um, is the stuff that, I probably still answer the most like, um, you know, I'm not delving into studies that often um, to try and answer questions for people because people still want to know the same basic things. Um, You know, the more I learn, the more I'm getting exposed to uh, high high level athletes and stuff like that. Um, You know, I'm like, I'm coaching at a training camp in Ghana for the Ghana national athletics team in April like I'm getting exposed to super high level athletes and coaches and I'm still talking about the same stuff that I've been talking yeah, about. For years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It doesn't matter how high you go until you get like, unless you're talking to someone else from the nutrition industry who is working in the industry, there's, you know, there's no time to flex. There's no opportunity to flex your brain muscles. You know, um, nobody cares how much you know about the stuff they don't care about. You know, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think on the low level, once people start to understand like the basics of nutrition, the basics of training, it it allows people to, so it, or it makes people sorry, it makes people think that the elite are doing everything right, and you're like, oh, this mm-hmm. is what the elite must do. This is what the elite must do, and it's like, no, nah, there there are some people like I, I know some guys that are in the NFL that have trained at a gym that I used to work out of, and you know some of their trainers, you just look at it and you're like. That's stupid. But yeah. at the same time, you look at how much of a beast of an athlete some of these guys are. So you're like, well, it doesn't really matter. you know. And, and that's the genetic component. And sometimes it's even not even a genetic thing. It's sometimes people have got things, you know, they've, got, but they've put the cart before the horse, but luckily the horse is already there and pulling it along and they figured it out, like they've managed to sort of get, get there in spite of um, their way of thinking. You know, it's like the keto crowd that are, that are big into that, you know what do we always say? We always say like ketosis is great because it lowers hunger and helps you stay uh, within that calorie balance, whatever you want to do with that. So it can work for that. And so people, you know, and that, that happens with training, with nutrition in all sorts of ways where they think it's this one thing that's got them there. And, and if that thing keeps them in check, sometimes you just like carry on, crack on doing what you're doing. If it makes you feel good. Yeah, definitely. Um, this people come to me all the time and they're like, Oh, this has been really working for me. Um, but I want to, I want to try your method. I want to try this. And I'm like, why are you changing something that's really working for you? Like if it's working and you enjoy it, crack on. I don't like, it doesn't matter what the science says. If you're getting the results, like 
somewhere in there. I can probably find where the science is coming into play. But like, just because I'm, you know, versed in certain like knowledge bases, where it could be anything. It's not just nutrition and training, but just because I have this um, knowledge base on something that you think might change you know, you have a different effect on you doesn't mean you have to do something. If it's an old, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like if you're, you know, eating only, like if you're one of the carnivore people and you're getting great results and you're going from being, you know, let's say hideously overweight to, you know, you're getting down to a normal weight and you're like, I've done all this on carnivore. I'm going to be like, awesome. Because yeah, maybe you could have done it in a healthier way, but probably the biggest impact on your health is going to be not carrying around the extra weight that you were carrying around before. So like it's, it's all well and good to tell people this is a better way to do things, but is it really the better way for them to do things? Um, it, it's not always the case. Like what works for someone isn't going to work for everyone. Um, and what you think might not work is probably going to work for, you know, one person every now and then. I think that like, explains why coaching is so good as well because sometimes it's just explaining what better even means because sometimes people are making great progress and they're like and they look at themselves and they're like oh i should have done this and this and this better and you're like why like it's almost and, and this almost goes full circle to what you were saying to begin with with your, your your lesson it's like i think the biggest error that a lot of people do in the gym particularly within the gym but also with their nutrition is that they try and do everything they try and do everything all at once and it's like well if you keep, if you do that for two years, you're going to just have got nowhere for two years. Whereas if you try like a, a good, I don't know, three months of just trying to get a sustainable diet down and trying to understand your nutrition habits, that's going to be perfect because that's got you in a good place to then have a really good diet after that. And then after that diet, then you can look at gaining muscle and, and focusing on that. And then all of a sudden, two years have added up and you've made a shit ton of progress versus just spinning your wheels and trying to do everything at once. Exactly. fit. <laughs> my, um, my missus has a really good analogy that she says it's um oh, i can't remember how she says it but essentially she talks about chasing rabbits and if you, you yeah if you've yep. got to catch a bunch of rabbits you're better off catching one at a time and then putting them in the cage or whatever um as opposed to trying to catch them all at once because if you try and catch them all at once you're probably not going to catch any um where at least if you catch one at a time even if you only catch one it's still better than none like there's there, there are ways to do more than one thing at a time. Um, they're usually like for that's going to be reserved for someone who's done it before and already has a certain amount of skills. He's already or, a good rabbit catcher. Yeah. Or they're two completely different things. Like, you yeah. know, so if you've got one thing on autopilot or they're two completely different areas, you know, like, like if you're hunting these rabbits, you're still breathing whilst looking yeah, at yeah. one rabbit at a time, or you're still doing something else. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think, yeah, that's a really good analogy. It's similar to the analogy, well, I have, the one I heard, Stephen Covey in uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I've been yeah. given that a, a recent uh, reread. And he talks about how um, farmers, like they live off a particular season. So they, you know, they go, they, go, they can't, you know, you, you sow in the, in the spring. I don't know how farming works. So if you're a farmer, <laughs> listen, I'm going to completely butcher this. But you, 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 know, you can't just come around harvest and full time and say, right, Let's, uh, let's plant these seeds, water them, and we're going to do all of this stuff really fast. You can't rush that process. It yeah. just has to take its time. And sometimes that's what people have to take a step back and look at, you know, all these other areas of their life, nutrition, education, like all these sorts, and just life in general. 
Yeah, likewise as well. Some people almost stumble across weight loss, like whether it be they cut out carbs and started losing weight. And I was using a similar analogy recently um, with someone who was, they had a certain amount of success and then couldn't replicate it. And I was like, well, it's like you bought a farm that had already been sown. Like just because you could harvest the crops doesn't mean you knew how to, you know how to sow them again in the future. Like yeah. if, if all you did to lose weight was drop carbs, what happens when you stop losing weight? You can't drop more carbs from zero. Like there's nowhere to go. Same with eating clean. Like if all you did to lose weight was eat clean, what do you do when you stop losing weight? Start drinking bleach or something like <laughs> there's, there's nowhere to go. Um, and that's when you need to learn to sew. That's when you actually need to put some knowledge behind it because yeah, most people can pick vegetables, but you know, can everyone plant them and continuously harvest them every year, year on year? Yeah, cool. All right, I'm going to skip the first question about game changers for now because <laughs> I think this, this has led us perfectly into um, talking about the uh, aggressive diets versus sustainable diet, diets. Yeah. Because we've worked together a few times talking about different, uh, you know, this this sort of balance and why sometimes aggressive dieting can really benefit athletes and people in general. Um, mm -hmm. What's what has, has your approach on that changed? Do you think aggressive diets are going to be more successful than you know taking a step back and doing a complete sustainable hashtag lifestyle overhaul or something? Depends on their after. Depends on their relationship with food. Um, you know, aggressive diets are great for some people. For some people, they lead to, you know, disordered eating, binge eating, that sort of thing. So um, as with anything, it's going to be good for someone. It's going to be shit for other people. It's highly context dependent. Um, I still use aggressive diets fairly regularly. Like um, I find that most people get pretty good results pretty quickly and they like seeing the scales drop and they like seeing it happen quickly. Like they think they're getting something out of it. Um, and I almost use it sometimes as a lead in to a slower, um, longer term diet, because yeah. once we, you know, once we use that aggressive, um, first few weeks, maybe months, depending on how much weight they had to lose, um, where the weight comes off really easily. And I spend the whole time saying, make sure you're, you know, doing these learning exercises I'm giving you, or make sure you're, learning this, this, and this, or you're asking questions because at some point the weight loss is going to slow down and we're going to have to know what to do then. Um, and some people do it and that's awesome. And they continue getting pretty good results because when the weight loss slows down, we already know what the next step is. Some people don't do it. And then when the weight loss slows down, they're like, Oh, you're increasing my calories. And I'm like, yeah, what are you listening for the last like month, six weeks, whatever <laughs> it's been. Um, because, like you can't stay in an aggressive calorie deficit forever. Like you will die. If, if, yeah. you, yeah, if you're always in a calorie deficit, die. you will die. Yeah. <laughs> um, like that is the, the one side effect of an perpetual calorie deficit is you eventually you are going to die. Um, and so all the people like, and it, uh, like I tell that same thing to people who say, Oh, I've been in a calorie deficit for four years. I'm like, no, you haven't. Um, you know, you might have been eating less than you wanted to for four years, but that doesn't mean you've been in a calorie deficit. And if you've been in a calorie deficit for, you know, six days a week 
for four years and then on the seventh day you ate it what you want, then you're probably putting yourself out of deficit on that seventh day. Um, and, you know, it's, it's always going to come back to the same thing. Yeah, calorie deficit, you know, it, it is as simple as you need to be in a calorie deficit. However, being in a calorie deficit isn't that simple. Um, and it's important while you're going to learn. Like um, with Flex, well, it was right when I first joined, um, I was talking to him. I was like, look, there's, I've got this idea. It's like people who've been dieting for a long time, whether they've been tracking or whatever they've been doing, they learn behaviors. And then eventually they're no longer um, tracking, like actively tracking. But, yeah. you know, in their head, they've probably got a pretty good idea of how much protein they ate that day or roughly how many calories they ate. Or if they've overeaten on calories, you know, a couple of days this week or a couple of weeks and if they need to scale back for a little bit. Like instinctively, after doing it for long enough, you learn that stuff. And I was like, what about, like, what can we call that? Learned eating or something. And we had a bit of a brainstorm. We came up with informed eating where, like, you're making informed choices because of stuff that you've learned as you have, you know, however long it took you to lose the weight. And, but it, like, it, it just highlights how important it is to learn while you're going through the process because otherwise you're just going to end up like all the people from those swimming clubs where, yeah, I lost five stone. Oh, awesome. And then put five stone back on plus a little bit more. Oh, uh, not awesome. Not, not so awesome anymore. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, and, and that's a real shame because those people do put in a lot of effort and they probably suffer real hard for that five stone. Um, and then they just don't know what to do afterwards and having being informed as you go through the process. And if like, if you've got a coach and they're not teaching you anything, whether you get results or not, they're a shit coach. Um, don't go to them because what they're banking on is your return business. Like if they can get you weight loss and then, you go away and without them, you put the weight back on your natural instinct is going to be shit. I need to go back to them to lose weight again. It's just, yeah. you know, return business, keeping your customers. It's, you know, let's be honest, it's smart business, but it's not good business. It's not good to, it's not moral in I would say moral or ethical to do that with somebody, you know, um, people, some people have like real psychological issues when it comes to weight and it's just making it worse. Like the less times we can go through a weight loss, weight gain, weight gain cycle, the better um, overall for that person. And not just mentally, but also physiologically because, um, you know, I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure that the science is there to back me up on this. But um, if I ever do get into research, I'll probably try and, you know, focus on this area but I think weight is a lot easier to regain than it is to gain in the first place. And I actually put this to some pretty smart researchers um, at a conference a little while ago, because obviously um, when it comes to muscle memory, it's pretty well known, pretty well researched. Um, you know, there's, there's all these things, whether satellite cells or whether it's epigenetic memory, like there's all these things that contribute to a muscle being able to grow as big as it used to be really easily far easier than it was the first time um, that it grew to that size. And I think there's something similar going on with fat cells. And as I said, there's no, I'm not aware of any research that shows that. Um, but I think from experience and anecdotally, that's 
definitely something. Um, there's something to that. So the less times we can put someone through that cycle, yeah. the less weight they're going to end up carrying at the end. And let, let's be honest, the bigger of a species will always die sooner. Like when, when you're talking about any species, like horses, the bigger horses die before the smaller horses. Um, dogs, bigger dogs die before smaller dogs usually. Right? And yes, I'm assuming it's all natural causes. So the smaller we can keep people, the better. Um, and, you know, if, if you're bigger because you're bodybuilding or whatever, that's your, like, choice to essentially, especially if you go super physiological with drugs and stuff, your choice is to probably end up dying sooner because you spend some time carrying more weight. Um, but people who are putting on body fat and still carrying that weight, yeah, a lot of time, okay, I, w- I would say probably 90% of the time, maybe even higher, people aren't choosing to put on weight. There are very few cases. Um, like I know somebody who... I think your microphone's uh, dragging in your beard, bud. Is it? I, shouldn't I don't know. Be. I don't know. It's all good. It, it, you just get... It, it just got a little bit choppy. That's all good. You're good now. Oh, You're fine. All um, good. Yeah, I know someone who uh, purposely gained... Uh, I think it was like 35 kilos or something like that to avoid um, compulsory service in the country that they're from. So, you know, some people do gain weight on purpose, but for the most part, uh, with the exception of people who are gaining muscle, people aren't getting fatter on purpose. It's happening because of their environment. It's happening because of their mental health, whatever these reasons are. Um, And if we can give them solutions to that, then that's where you're actually servicing the industry i've gone off on such a tangent there i don't even remember what the <laughs> question was. no it's all good dude I, I was thinking the same thing i was like where do we, what, what did i originally That's ask and, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but you're so right mate you're so right and uh it's it's funny and this is my always my argument about because it's so trendy now to just shit all over um bmi and be like oh, it's useless but actually medically medically it's actually still pretty sound it's still yeah. Something that makes sense. The bigger you are, the more you know beats your heart has to do to supply the rest of your body with blood, yep. and therefore it's going to get more exhausted and more likely to lead to complications earlier in life. Exactly. Than, yeah. We don't. But, we don't know that everybody's individual heart has a number of beats that it can do throughout its lifespan. Like, for all we know, there's, you know doing exercise could be killing us more, you know, but there's, there's something there that is causing hearts to get weaker. And if you actually look at some of the research with um, heart function with people who do a lot of aerobic exercise, we're talking like marathons, ultra marathons, that sort of thing, their heart is actually weaker than people who, I can't remember what the control group was. It probably wasn't people who sit on the couch, but um you know, whatever the control group was compared to people who do ultramarathons, um, the people doing the ultramarathons were getting heart complications sooner. Um, sure. You know, they actually had higher all-cause mortality. Um, so, you know, it's it's one of those things, like, we don't really understand what it is. Um, yeah, we understand the physiological side of things, but, um, yeah, it, it could be the extra beats that we do because we have more weight it could be extra beats that the heart does because we're doing more exercise like um the people who live longest in the world aren't particularly active they're also not particularly big so it's it's a hard one we're not 
we're not there yet. And if it is so individual that everybody is going to react differently to whatever the stimulus is, whether it be weight gain, exercise, whatever, then we'll probably never know. Like we might come up with an answer for one person and it won't be the same for the next person. Yeah, absolutely. I think, oh yeah, that, that ties back to the original question was about aggressive versus non-aggressive dieting. And I think, I think what you said there is a, a, very much a foundation for what I, I sometimes do. So it can go both ways. So if I think someone can lose a lot of weight whilst just making tiny, tiny alterations, then I'm going to do that because then they've probably got a lot of time or they've got, uh, you know, more weight to lose and, and therefore they'll still be losing weight whilst going through that learning process. Whereas there are some people that are, you know, practice dieting a few times. They know how to aggressively diet. They just don't know what the fuck to do after they finish dieting. And that's mm-hmm. that. That's what happens with that. Those people that you said about that put on weight. You know that they lose yeah. they lose ten kilos in their diet, and then they gain twelve kilos in the few months after because they haven't learned. So exactly. Then we then we might take an aggressive diet because they're used to that. They've had success with that, but all the while slowly educating them as to what to expect once they've finished. And we make sure that that's a concerted effort because, as you say, most people um, get, you know, most people aren't trying to put on too much weight. And those that are, like, that the, are trying to hashtag or quote-unquote bulk, that's, I, I did a podcast on this a, while, uh, a few weeks back. It's one of the hardest things is to successfully bulk without just, you know, getting bored a couple months in and just being like, ah, oh, fuck this, I'm just going to cut. And then you don't end up really truly gaining too much muscle. Or yeah. you end up just getting fat and, and you're getting, again, you cut it all back and then it's like, well, it's not really a bulk. And so sometimes I try and encourage people to bulk whilst not even actually adding any weight for the first few months because that's, that's their prime time to really try and – because you, you, get it, you get all these bodybuilders that share their bulking meal plans and it's mass gainer followed by a pizza, followed by you know, all this crazy stuff, and that's just not the reality for most people. No, exactly. It's the rea- it's the reality. If you, you know, need seven thousand calories a day to bulk, it's the reality. If you're on drugs and probably, you know, that's doing half the work for you. Um, but it's not the reality for most people. Um, I think it's like bulking is kind of a weird thing. Like it's so mainstream now that people who don't like outside of bodybuilding and some like maybe strength sports where you want to increase your weight class. But outside of that, there's not many people like many times when you need to bulk. Um, but you know, I get gen pop clients coming to me all the time. They're like, yeah, I want to bulk. And I'm like, trust me, you don't want to bulk. Like you just, you want to look shredded. You don't want to be bigger. Like you want the illusion of looking bigger by being shredded. But, and you know, uh, like, they're coming to me at like 25% body fat and they're like, yeah, I need a bulk. And I'm like, no, you don't. You need, you need to fucking diet down. When we can see some abs, then we can talk about bulking. But like, again, like I've had it before where they've listened to me and they see the abs and they're like, oh no, actually I didn't want to bulk. I just wanted to see these abs. Like that, that's the thing. Like people want to bulk because they think it's like easy. Like bulking is definitely harder than, than cutting. Um, but it's also super unnecessary for 90% of people. Um, and just the fact that it's in all the men's fitness magazines and blah, 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 like all the places that people are looking, probably all over Instagram, um, 
you know, people are asking for it and they certainly don't need it. Yeah. And, and, and the people that do need it, well, well, some of the people that do need it, um, they don't think they need coaching for it. Like the amount of times where I've had, um, you know, weightlifters, powerlifters that come to me to get ready for a comp and they're like, yep, six weeks, I need to drop X amount of kilos. I'm like, sweet, let's do it. We do it. They're super happy. Everything goes well. Comes to the time to, you know, get some more muscle on, or maybe even I had one guy who wanted to go up to the next weight class and he lasted two weeks of coached bulking and was like, no, I think I can do this myself. And I was like, go nuts, man. Yeah. I'll see you in, I'll see you when you need to cut down for that weight class as well. Yeah. It, Cause it's like a, it's just a really, it's a really difficult thing to do. And it's also, I think without coaching, the, the only times I've ever had real direct coaching for for my training personally is when I've been trying to uh, gain a little bit of mass hmm. Because, you know, fat loss, I know exactly what I'm doing and that scale keeps me accountable. I know what, you know, and, I, and I've got my markers and I'm usually fine to do that. Yeah. Um, my biggest issue is the long-term process of gaining muscle. It is boring. It yep. is so, you know, you're looking at adding a couple reps. You know, once you become advanced, you're looking at adding a couple reps per week and maybe looking at a pound every couple weeks on the scale, something like this. But yeah, like a pound. Engage with that is really difficult. Mostly fat as well. Like, yep. Depending on how experienced you are, like you might gain one pound of muscle a year. You might gain half a pound of muscle a year if you're very experienced. Like, um, you know, it, you get it all the time. Like, yeah, people probably haven't been training hard enough to really be able to accurately decide what somebody's training age is. But the fact that they've been training at all means that they're not in that. Yes, if they've been doing it long enough, not in that initial, um, when you look at the research, I think it's up to five pounds, maybe even 10 pounds uh, in the first year of training. But for the most part, people aren't going to get that. Um, you know, anyone who's already overweight, not going to get it because being overweight is resistance training to certain muscles in your body. Like getting up and down off the toilet when you're, you know, 300 pounds is the same as squatting when you're, you know, 150 pounds and squatting 150 kilos in your back. Like it's, you're essentially doing some sort of weight training. So you're not going to get um, the results that the science tells you anyway. But even yeah. then the science is severely underwhelming. Like whatever you got the first year, continue your effort, continue to progressively overload and you'll get half that the next year. And then continue again to, com you know, progressively overload, keep going, keep putting in the effort. You'll get, a quarter of what you got the first year and it just keeps diminishing by the same rate. Like uh, essentially yeah. you're going to get to the point where you're 80% of your potential and to get any further than that is going to require, you know, an extra 150% of what you did to get where you are now. Um, and it's just, people don't see the, the realism of like how hard it is to actually gain muscle. Um, and you know, obviously there's genetic outliers on both ends. Some people will train fucking hard and get nothing. Um, and some people will look at the gym and start bulking, um, you know, lean muscle, but well, lean muscle or muscles lean, but yeah. you know what I mean? Um, but for the most part, the, the vast majority of people, it's a fucking hard slog trying to gain muscle. Um, yeah, and it's it's definitely not a normal uh, 
Joe blogs, gem pop things that, that people should be aiming to do. Yeah, I, I think it's like it, it can. It, I I still believe it can come as a consequence. I think just years upon years of um, just shifting mechanical tension, get building mechanical tension, just shifting weight somehow. And as long as you're relatively consistent with that, I can see. You know, the, and I'm, when I say years, I mean like decades, right? You spend 15 years still hitting the gym in and like every day or, you know, consistently and you're still lifting, you're still doing that sort of uh, practice and you're still get, making your protein. I could see a case where you gain a couple pounds, but there's no way you're noticing that over that, you know, and until you, you take those 15 years and then you look back. Yeah, definitely. Like there's a reason why all the best natty bodybuilders in the world, are, you know, 40 plus or approaching 40, like for natty gains, it's super slow. And then like, it's no wonder so many people turn to drugs eventually. Like um, when you get to the point you're five years in and you're gaining like a pound of muscle a year, if that, um, and you're training your ass off and nailing your nutrition and always on top of all that stuff. Um, you know, if someone is in the back room of your gym and they're like, oh, want to gain a little bit more money, a uh, little bit more muscle and have a little bit less money. Um, try some of this and like people are so by that stage like five years in putting all this work in not getting any um, making any progress like people are so tempted by that like and it's not surprising people would do it the same if it was the other way if the longer you dieted the harder it was for you to lose weight and then someone was like here's an illegal drug that will help you lose weight people would 100% yeah absolutely but I think the biggest thing you can you can sort of look towards is when people are sold on this idea of muscle building, they're sold it by someone that's already in fucking phenomenal shape, like 90% of the time, or probably more than that, 99.9% of the time. Right. And you know, especially in this visual world now with social media and Instagram and YouTube and all these things. Mm -hmm. But I think those people, like if you're, you got to try and think better. If you're trying to gain muscle and you're looking at someone See, don't just see their end physique. Don't just see the few pictures that they've used to, to look how they are right now. Go back, you know, scroll back on their feed a few years and see, like, has this person actually changed or does this person look exactly, like, still look great back then and they look great now, but have they made progress? Because that's, it's not, it's not just how you look. It's, it's making progress. And that's, that's what makes an actual, an actual coach. And I think the people that have gained significant muscle in, in, in a few years, are the ones that are really dedicated, you know, the Mike Isratels and uh, the Steve Halls, the ones that are really dedicated to actually the process of gaining muscle. And then the other people, you know, we're just talking about just training and, and shifting some tin and looking at other goals and then are just happy to wait 10 to 15 years for that muscle to actually come in. Um, and I, But I also think that those people have also spent a few, the, the successful ones will have already tapped out that, real dialed in um specific you know what, what we said before aiming for that one thing at a time really actually aiming for hypertrophy for months and years on end and then they just look towards doing other stuff but i think i think people if you just get, only get distracted i, I know I'm, I'm going off on a tangent now but if you just get distracted by doing all these different goals and think, well, I'm just going to get, I'm going to gain a good amount of muscle doing this. You're probably wrong. You're probably going to be that 10 to 15 to 20 year category. Whereas yeah. if you actually take a year or so, or even some people have never taken three months, 
actually, I, I'd, I'd gander say most people have never taken three months where they're right, right. This, this uh, mesocycle or these, this run of mesocycles right now, I'm going to focus on nothing but gaining muscle. I'm going to gain a little bit of fat. I'm probably going to end up looking worse in the short term if, if, if you're really dark, if you're chiseled already before you've started. However, long term, I'm going to actually have gained muscle and have the ability to keep it and then work on the power, work on the strength, work on the athleticism and those sorts of things outside of that. Yeah, 100%. What do you, what do you think? Do you, do you well, agree that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's just symptomatic of today's society. It's not just dieting. It's not just muscle gain. Like People don't try anything for very long. Like They want immediate success or they're going to find something else. Yeah. Um, and you know, it can be anything. It, it's just something that people do now in this age of instant gratification because of social media and Instagram. And you know, you put up a photo, people start liking it, and you start feeling good straight away. And anything that doesn't give you that instant gratification is now a slog where it used to be normal. Like, um, you know, apprenticeships used to be the only way, like real, real far back in the day, used to be the only way to get skilled at anything. Like, now there's weekend courses, now there's you know, retreats and blah, blah, blah. Like people want instant shit and they don't want to try hard for anything. Like, yeah. um, you know, I've got friends who run businesses and they're like, yeah, I need growth this quarter. And I was like, didn't you have growth last course, last quarter? Yeah. Well, then what about just some maintenance? Like everything requires some maintenance, you know. It goes back to that farmer, you know, worrying about sowing seeds and harvesting and all that stuff. If you just try to harvest all the time, you're going to run out of shit. Um, and I think, yeah, being having that farmer mentality and going, yeah, I'm going to sow now and in nine months' time I'm going to harvest and having the patience for that and waiting for it is super important. I think that is where people like Steve Hall shine because you know, being natty and making the kind of gains he's gaining – is super impressive um and you know he might be an outlier but also he works fucking hard and he is it's essentially his job to gain muscle like um, it's, it's not even the the working hard it's that consistency like yeah. and that mundane consistency yeah like like i admire the shit out of people that have put on a good deal of muscle in in a couple of years yeah. but you look at their life and you're like I don't want to do that. I don't want to do nothing but go to the gym, gradually add one rep every week to this exact same stuff. Look at, and like, and to really do that well, you've got to not quite obsess, but you've got to be incredibly dedicated to that. Yeah. And your adherence has to be super high. Like, why do you think people like Mike Isatel are now doing things like jujitsu? Like I know he's been doing it for a while, but he's been doing it a while because he's been lifting for a real long time and yeah. it gets boring. And by picking up another sport, um, they find something else to train for. You know, not all of the stuff that Mike does is necessarily for bodybuilding. Now he probably does some stuff that helps him with his um, jujitsu. And then I wonder if Steve will go down the same route eventually. Like if he will find something else to focus on. Because I don't, I actually don't know how old Steve is, but I don't think he's that old. Um, I think his training age is probably getting to the point now where he's been training well enough for long enough that he's going to see an eventual slowdown in muscle gain, even though it will still always probably be higher than other people around him because he is literally like every single day 
doing exactly what he needs to, you know, getting enough sleep, eating the right foods, training the right way, overloading, all the good stuff, he's doing it. And he's probably getting, you know, the very top of what he could potentially be getting. Absolutely. Um, and then going back to what you were saying about trying to train in different areas because of the gym, like this is one of the things that I've found so much with rugby players mm. is that, um, you know, we're doing some movements that are, even if, even if we are doing a hypertrophy program, I'll still throw in a few core movements that have some sort of rugby relation. Every, Not always, but for the most part I will because it keeps people more engaged. It's a lot more fun. Since, you know, I've said it on the podcast a few times, I've struggled with my own training since I retired from rugby because there's no, oh, since I finished, because I retired from rugby, did that photo shoot, got chiseled, and then I was like, right, now what? And then, it's like I did that gain of muscle thing, got a little bit bored with that, did jujitsu and going to jujitsu and, and doing the conditioning that I did for that, it probably didn't benefit me at all in terms of, actually, I know it didn't benefit me in any competition because I don't ever remember being overly exhausted and having to dig deep and do something explosive in the last second or anything mm-hmm. like that because it's all about technique at the stage I'm at. Yeah. However, it kept me so much more engaged in my training. I think that's what, that's what we do here at Rugby Muscle where people will just be so much more consistent because they're enjoying the training. And then obviously with coaching, you've got that accountability element as well. I think in getting enjoyment from it is is huge. And then when we're talking about longevity, that just it's that de-stress component. You're, if you're having fun, then you're going to live longer. Like enjoying your life is going to have, have you live longer uh, in terms of, you know, we were talking about that before. So I think that's something that yeah. is absolutely worth mentioning, but um, I, I do want to quickly go and we'll have a, I don't want us to go on too long. Cause I know how, how often uh, did you listen to all of the game changers podcasts and rebuttals and stuff? Have you even watched the game changers? Yeah, I watched it. Um, so I yeah, watched it pretty much when it came. It had a isn't that what's going to make you live the the longest? Then isn't just being a vegan? Uh, nah. that's, that's what that documentary told me. You're going to live longest. You're going to be the best athlete ever, and you're going to. Uh, well, yeah. I think that is part of the problem. Is the way it's been marketed and the way it's been perceived is that, like the whole point of the documentary, was to say that you can perform well on a vegan diet, like. That, like, and they kind of lost sight of that as they were going because, you know, with their cherry picking evidence and, um, you know, obviously only looking at certain athletes, like what do they have? I think the highest um, achievement on there was a bronze medal, which is nothing to sneeze at. But, um, you know, what were the silver medalists and gold medalists eating? You know, and they just kind of glaze over that and it was, just ended up being very one-sided, I think. Um, it, it was also like, yeah, kind of what you say actually rang true to me there. It, it, they, they weren't really sure on what their message was because it sounded yeah. like they started off on one way and then they went another. Like when they, when they had those, um, those football players on and it's like, look how much of an athlete you can be and you can still be healthy. And then that football player's wife was cooking all this vegan shit. And I was like, like, that's not a healthy diet. What's going on here? Yeah. No wonder they've got so many people coming around for food. That stuff looked delicious. It was probably so high calorie. (laughs) But um, 
Yeah, uh, like I think the whole thing kind of got blown out of proportion. And there was so much hype about it coming out that everybody was just waiting to take the, you know, take the mick out of it. Everybody knew that it was going to be biased. Um, and, you know, if, if they just came out and were honest, they probably wouldn't have had anything to make a uh, movie about. That's the so, problem, right? That doesn't sell. It's like what we've been saying this whole time, that new, nuanced um, stuff. And it just doesn't, that's not what people want. So it's funny because I said this on my Instagram the other day. I was like, you know, it it, it sometimes really does annoy me that, you know, all of this nuanced stuff isn't as, or or like the basics and all this stuff isn't as popular. But then again, I think about it and it's just like, well, that's just what the market is. People aren't into that and that's not what sells. So you can't, you know, you can't get it. It's almost like the people can't get annoyed at what they're being sold because they're buying it. It's capitalism. Yep. And it's... it's, it's like, hard. the thing is, it was this massive deal in the fitness industry. And, you know, I pro- probably think the best rebuttal video that I saw would have been from Lane Norton and Holly. And I think, like, I think about all the people who sent it to me or all the people who um, mentioned it. And I was just like, look, wonderful. But... Outside of the people in the fitness industry, who even knows who Lay Norton is? Like nobody. You're still gonna like they're still gonna hit millions of people with their gar- what it's essentially a garbage way of putting out a good message. Yeah. And <laughs> and by doing that, they're still gonna get the results that they're after. They don't care if like even if it's probably one percent of the people who've watched it who, you know, go on about it and you know, make response videos and whatever. And outside, maybe like 5% see the garbage that people are responding to it with. And then outside of that, there's still 95% of the people who saw it who are like, right, I'm going to be vegan now. And this is going to solve all my problems. I don't have to pay yeah. attention to calories anymore. I don't have to do exactly. any of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, like the, the thing is, right, there's probably one good reason to go vegan. And it's ethical. Yep. And the every single rebuttal that I saw anyway, they were like, oh, let's consider this, but let's not consider the ethical side of it. Like I think even like one of the first lines in um, Lane and Holly's video was ignoring the ethical side of the argument. Here's all of our problems with it. And I was like, ignoring the ethical side of the argument is exactly the same as the people making this film ignoring the scientific side of the argument. Yeah. There's no difference. Like you have like some people's beliefs are firmly on the scientific side. Some people's are firmly on the ethical side. And if they just came, like I think the other vegan documentaries, like the ones about how animals are treated and stuff like that had a far better impact on people looking at it for the right reasons. I think it, there's, you can be as healthy on a vegan diet uh, as an omnivorous diet, but probably like as, if they're both equated for macro and micronutrients, then it, it, neither of them will ever be better anyway. So it's kind of... Yeah, we, or, or we don't know at this point. Yeah. There's well, just not enough good data on it and, and it will take you know beyond our lifetime to figure it out. Yeah, one, well, one of the guys that's um, lecturing on my course is actually looking into collagen supplementation and um, you know collagen protein synthesis and how it 
um, affects things like tendons and ligaments and, you know, just healthy joints and all that sort of stuff. And they're coming to some pretty good conclusions. And if it keeps going the way it's going, um, you know, no matter what Game Changer says, you will probably never be as good of an athlete, especially if you do contact sport. Um, and that includes, you know, contact with the ground, um, as you would be if you ate an omnivorous diet, because there's no collagen that comes from anywhere but animals. Um, so yeah, you know, five or 10 years, there could be this new research out on something that people haven't really thought about that just goes, yep, no longer like categorically veganism, not the healthiest diet. Funny enough, I'm actually experimenting with supplementing collagen myself right now. Um, so we should both like, give us our um, our biases as well because we haven't done that. And even though it, it's kind of obvious, we we would both consider ourselves plant based, but both completely ethically, right? You're you're yeah. Now, I would say that I eat my ethics. Like if, yeah, if there was like if I go to my friend's house, like childhood house and their parents are like, oh, I would want some apple pie. I'm not going to be like, no, fuck you. There's butter in there. You yeah. know, I'm, like, I'm throw it against like, the yeah. wall. Yeah. I'm going to be like, yeah, thanks very much. And I'm going to eat it. Like I'm not a dickhead. Um, and you know, the people that are good on them, like they're just giving everyone else a bad name. Like wherever your ethics uh, lie, but they're the loudest that. people, you know, that's the problem. Yeah. Right? But like, do you remember the RSPCA ad that they had where it was, they lined up all these animals and started from like chicken, went up through all the farm animals to cow, then horse, and then dogs and cats or whatever. And it was, it had a big line through it and said, where do you draw the line? And everyone yeah. was like, oh, I draw it here at cow because people are happy to eat cows. <laughs> but like somebody's ethics might, like if you continue that in the smaller direction, maybe someone's not happy to eat chicken, but they're happy to eat the chicken's egg or they're happy to eat insects or yeah or you're happy to eat um what is it the what's what's joe rogan do just only meat that you've caught by your own uh spear yeah. no not spear he's a bow hunter or something isn't he? yeah but but like he's killed himself and that's point. where he, his ethics lie so i would say that joe rogan apart from being misinformed on a bunch of stuff but probably to the best of his knowledge eats his ethics as well yeah um, i yeah and i think if everyone just did that we wouldn't even have a problem. We wouldn't be talking about this. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's, that's exactly where I'm at. Like, so I, I, I eat fish, um, not loads, but I eat a little bit of fish. And every time I do, I go on and I use the seafood watch app on my phone, which is ran by a bunch of, um, who is it ran by? I know, it's, it's run by an aquarium. I, I really did a lot of research looking into it. And they talked about, you know, um, wildlife sustainability in the oceans and whatnot. And, and maybe on another ep- episode or, or just in private, you can rebuttal me and say how much bullshit that is. But that's that's where I draw my line. So I buy my fish using only the fish that gets the green light from the app. Um, I'll have some eggs because I have two friends that have their own chicken coops or and, and they give me eggs or I'll buy um, pasture-raised eggs, yeah. which are... Like- four times the price of normal eggs and it's just those few things that i do just to because i put my body for a beating with with uh the gym actually funny enough i'm going through an actual dedicated hypertrophy phase in the gym at the minute um but i put my body through the grinder with that and with um 
with jujitsu. So I've got to make sure that I'm more on top of it than most people, I believe. Yeah, like where my uh, argument is. Sorry. Well, you, you could have as good a results with um, animal products. You could have as good a results with yep. our animal products. But as far as like, I like I need to wait and see what the research actually comes out and says. But like from the way that it looks at the moment, um, I would say you know keeping some collagen in there is probably going to be beneficial. I would also say that. Um, you know, keeping some oily fish in there is probably going to be beneficial. And if, like, for you, your ethics lie at a point where, you know, your performance and your recovery is super important and might be more important than some other things, but also you're doing your best with, you know, where you get your eggs from or your fish from or wherever um, to try and, like, minimise that impact. I think, you know, I have eaten honey since I stopped eating animal products, because what the fuck else is a bee going to do? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe, maybe it was put there to, you know, service some farmer, but like, that's what a bee does. It makes honey. And then uh, fuck knows what it was going to do with it. I don't know that much about bees, but it's like, you know, eggs are kind of almost similar than, um, as honey. Like if, if they, if it wasn't for the egg industry, I probably wouldn't have any issues with eggs either. Um, like ethically, what else was it going to do with the egg? Like it just sits there and yeah. Or, or ethically, what's what's going to happen with that apple pie if you say no, I'm not going to have it? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Um, you know, and it's probably the industry that puts me off more than anything when it comes to things like eggs and um, even fish. You know, um, uh, like as far as the sentience of a fish. I'm not really that convinced. Um, uh, yeah, but, compared, to, but, compared to plants, like people, they're you know they're they're saying now that plants talk to each other, communicate with each other in some yeah, ways as well. Like so. mushrooms communicate. Oh with each yeah, other. Um, you know mushrooms algae, communicate with me. Yeah, well, <laughs> they do. <laughs> communicate with me for a long time, and they say all these weird things. Um, algae as well. Like algae is another funny one. Like that's where. Um, vegans get their vitamin D from, oh, my no, that's where they get their um, omega-3s from. But algae is, you know, apparently more sentient than other plants. Fuck knows, I don't know. Um, who's deciding on sentience? Again, someone's just making a decision that's in line with their ethics um, and other people are just listening to them. It just probably happens that those people are, you know, whatever paying whatever money to whatever food company or whatever to say this is, and this isn't vegan. Yeah. It's funny. Cause it's like, um, it is, we, we've already delved deep into the nuance and just said, look, it, this is up to you, the listener, there's no right or wrong. And I think that's, that's my biggest thing with all of this big fallout from the documentary. Like Lane Norton, you said he put up a really good response video. I, mm-hmm. I haven't seen all any of his videos to be honest with you because they're all 45 minutes long. <laughs> well one's 45 minutes long then you've got the the cassette no then you've got the debate between them that was three plus hours long yeah the first hour was almost unbearable so whoever made it to that third second and third hour actually got some good information but the yeah. problem is is that everyone was just trying to be right you know at, at the point there like um i think had James Wilkes not just been fighting for veganism, he could have said, yeah, actually, you know what? Like this little bit of meat that you're having, I don't 
think that that's necessarily less or more healthy, but I think that you know it's against my ethics for this and this reason. Yeah, um, like and that's fine. Exactly, and that that's the argument done and dusted. Like, if, where do your ethics tell you you should stop consuming things? Cool, awesome. They're your personal ethics. Whatever your answer to that question was is the answer to whether you should or shouldn't consume animal products. Yeah. If you can justify it to yourself, then that's fine. If yeah. if you have to bury your head into the sand, like I'm pretty sure both you and I did for years when we're eating those uh, big packets of giant fucking chi- uh, chicken breasts yeah. with the nappies underneath them. And every time you put you threw that nappy away, the, that that weird diaper thing that comes on the bottom. And oh, I've never thought of it as a nappy before. That's oh, it's disgusting. Gr- yeah, it's gross, man. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, oh, the worst was my my dog once got into my my trash, and that's what she she chose to try and eat. And I guess like, it just to oh, her it would just taste and smell yeah, like ch- raw chicken. chicken yeah, oh, it's nightmare. But yeah, like that's you know every time I'd be like, this is the grossest fucking thing ever. And then you know. I had a friend that actually visited a chicken farm um, or a factory chicken farm, should I say. Uh, farm is very, 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 very loose in that <laughs> sense. Um, and, you know, and he said it was horrendous. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to see this video because it's just going to make me feel bad. And, and now I feel like a weight lifted off and, you know, that's good. And we should encourage more people to do that and, and take this, the climate change thing seriously. But, and, and try, you know, because you don't, you don't get anyone to change or help their, you know, alter their mindset a little bit by just telling them how stupid and wrong they are and, and, and yeah. saying how right you are. And, that, and that's all this has been since that documentary came out, I think. So like the environmental argument as well, like that's, that's the other one that people tend to shoot off as well. But, and, and like initially I was convinced by the environmental argument when you actually look at it, like all the data, Okay, not all the data. The vast majority of the data um, that supports, you know, environmental reasoning for not consuming animal products is actually just on beef consumption. Yeah. Um, you know, if you were to, like, uh, what is it? I think it's chicken and tofu have a, about the same amount of impact on the environment. Like, there's no difference environmentally. Um, mm. So, you know, by not eating chicken and eating tofu instead, you're not actually doing anything better for the environment. Um, so, again, it comes down to ethically, did you want something to die for your protein or did you want something, you know, did you want to eat something that was highly processed like tofu is? Um, yeah. Or ethically, is it, is, it, is, it that, is it the death that concerns you? Because I think I've said this on the podcast before, I, I, I follow the um, – the Instagram account nature is metal and you see like it's brutal out there. And yeah. and so just, I, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with killing something for your food. I do however think there's something wrong with like raising them. Like they're not, they're not, they're not an animal. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, that that's where I draw my line. And then, you know, I've said, said it before. I tried to go organic. Then I realized organic was just a bunch of bullshit. And then I just said, right, it's actually, and I found, I think you did the same. Like you found it was actually just easier just to go full hog, um, vegetarian and vegan, then you're like, all right, I might as well just do this then. Easier and cheaper. Yeah. Do it. And like then I, I pretty much look at the ethics and judge as you go. Yeah. Ethically, I was like, right, every time there's an alternative um, to something I want to eat that is plant based or doesn't contain animal products, I'll go for the alternative. And eventually, I just found that I 
was only eating products that didn't contain animal products. Like. Yeah, I did the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, like it just happened. I think the last thing that I swapped was protein powder. Um, and that was purely because I buy it in really big bags and I still had some left. But when that ended, I was like, right, now I'll try the vegan protein powder. And apart from it tasting like someone put sand in my normal protein powder, it was fine. Like I could bear it. it again, same, like it's the same with um, dairy as my opinion anyway, where my ethics lie. It's the same with dairy and as it is with eggs. Like if they treated the animals better, then would I have any issue with drinking cow's milk? I don't know. I guess like I've haven't done it for so long now that maybe I'd find it a bit weird, but yeah, you know, whey protein or something that's a bit removed from the cow's milk, then probably not cheese. If you know, I probably wouldn't have any issue with cheese or ice cream or something that isn't in the same texture as it came out of the nipple. Sure. I could probably <laughs> do that, but, but just the way they're treated, man, it just does my head in. So, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. No, no, I agree. If, and, and, if it, and again, if it it's changed. I'll go on. If it changed, I wouldn't be able to afford dairy or eggs anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's the thing. And I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's you're, you're almost, you're using your ethics and your, 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 um, using your wallet to support your ethics, but you're also, you're almost casting a vote as well. You're like, look, I'm not going to support this. You know, you know, I think the, the fact that vegan restaurants and vegan products and people were doing more and more, it's just a good thing because it's, it's showing how people are concerned with, with this factory farming and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. It allows people to take some sort of empowerment with what they're actually eating and how they're actually feeling. It's a really good thing. And, and if people did that just towards, um, just towards how they, diet in general and they they give more of a thought then that's a good thing as well like yeah it's so and that's, easy now that's how you get that long-term diet success whether that's trying to go vegan and be happy with your ethics or trying to lose you know 20 50 100 pounds whatever it is you've got to try and lose but it's taking a practical step at your or taking a backward step and looking at everything and be like right what am I comfortable with and sort of rebuilding from there and, and sticking with it and going day in, day out. Uh, like five years ago, I would have said it would be extremely hard to meet your body composition goals and be vegan at the same time. Like, yeah. especially if you, like if you just wanted to be skinny, then sure, you probably could have done it. But if you had any, you know, actual good body composition goals with, you know, some maybe muscle mass or something like that, it would have been extremely hard. But now there are so many alternatives out there that you can pretty like you could probably get 90% of the results without consuming any animal products as you would if you did. Um, and if you were very, very, very careful with everything you ate and you like matched amino acid profiles and stuff like that, then you probably get just as good of results. Um, but you know, it, there's no need to worry about that now. Like there's so many alternatives out there and it, it only takes like, like part of what I do with coaching with flex is I get a bunch of um, people who are vegan and will want to make the transition into, you know, plant-based or even just consuming less meat or less dairy or whatever they're doing. And part of that transition is just education. Like these people yeah. might already have a good body composition. Like as a coach in this industry, it's not very often that you 
get a client who is already in good shape. Um, and I guess that's something that I've unintentionally niched into is getting people that are already in pretty good shape and transitioning them or helping them transition themselves into a diet that meets their ethics. And they don't all come out the other side as vegans. Like, you know, um, some of them come out the other side and they're like, cool, I now have more knowledge of other places I can get my protein other than meat and dairy. And they go on their merry way. Yeah, they get maybe their life comes in, they get so stressed that, you know, they're like, look, I don't want to have to, because that's the one thing I found about being plant-based is that you just have to put a lot more effort into your diet, Yeah, which is okay for us because we're, we're online nutrition coaches. So yeah. if there's anyone that's going to put extra effort into their food, it'll be us. And that's fine. Um, and and I, exact same thing has happened to me, actually. It's funny that like I've had a few clients that they've got good results so far. And now they're like, look, I want to have um, one meal every day that I'm going to have without me. How do I go about doing that? What do I do? Actually, I answered a question like this on the podcast the other day, but I actually have it with my clients that are like, look, how do I go about doing this? And we take a back step and every week we, we I just talk to them about like my nuances, how I feel about it, ask them to look into what they think about it and do these sorts of things. And yeah, sometimes they have, they, I've had one person that's actually now a vegetarian, but the rest of them are like still slowly getting there and considering making the jump but they want to want to get their ducks in a little bit of a row first and that's fine yeah. by me. like the general consensus even from the issn is that if you're consuming enough calories then you can have, be just as healthy and have just as good performance with a vegan diet as you can with an omnivorous diet and that's all you need to know like if you're going super low calorie for whatever reason um which some people listening to this might be yeah it's going to be way harder maybe you're not going to gain or retain as much muscle as you would have um, if you weren't plant-based. But like people concerned about losing muscle does my head in sometimes because the research is there to show us that muscle memory is super, super efficient. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, people can go years not training at all and in six weeks have gained back like 95% of the muscle that they had when they stopped training. Like it's ridiculous. So like to say, uh, my ethics say I shouldn't eat animal products, but then my, um, you know, my body composition goals say that I should, cause I can't bear to lose any muscle. Um, you know, it, it's just a wasted argument now. Yeah, it is. It's so stupid. So sorry for you stupid people that listen. Cool, man. <laughs> um, there, there, there are so many different avenues we can go down. So, uh, we'll have to put a pause into this there and we'll get you back on another time, mate. It's been really yeah, good definitely. having you on. Um, where can people find it. more about you and what links do you need me to put in the show notes or what links that I've already put in the show notes can people click and find out more? Um, so you can find out more about me at coach.big.nick um, on Instagram. And if you want to work with me, you can get in touch with me through flexsuccess.com.au. Um, and you just follow the prompts or through the flex success Instagram, which is at flex underscore success. And you just follow the link in the bio. Um, and that's pretty much me these days. Um, Beautiful mate. Yeah. Cool. We'll, we'll, we'll get you back on and we'll have another, we'll, we'll talk shop again, but it's been really good, man. I've got to run. No worries, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Cheers, mate.